Thanksgiving begins a very special time of the year for us. It's the time of peace and reflection and of getting ready for the new year. One thing we should all be thankful for is that we live in America, where we have the freedom to change things and the opportunity to... Welcome to the Drunk Turkey Show. Starring Big Blue. Hey, can I say hi, Kim? Hi, hi. Oh, I love you. You are just like a giant. <laughs> Lady, Lady Liberty just squirted in my face. Say, when you do drink with a straw, the myth is you get more drunk because you get more air mixed in. Hi, Maggie. You know how the, the, the fans going like this? It goes, ooh, yeah. when it hits my butthole. Last time I went to Mexico, the, I, I stopped by a little stand and the lady had gloves. I was like, uh uh-uh, uh, lady, take off those gloves. I need that shit. Yeah. Wasn't it's like drinking beer so you can feel good and like, like it tastes good. What the hell's the <laughs> point of this? And Daniel J. I got a friend named John Martinez who's not allowed to vibrate. Yo puede hablar español cuando yo tomando. You look very handsome tonight, LJ. Every day, it's everyday thing. I got to wake up. This is excellent. Y'all watch them every Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. I get to see them every day. They <laughs> get, get to see those chicks every day. What's on his face? And the other ones. Three thousand. It still sucks. This is Phil J. Fry, and you're listening to the Drunken Turkey Show. You're one stop for this sort of thing. Hit that button, like, and subscribe. You know what to do. Just like every other podcast. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Drunk Turkey Show. In full discretion, that is my second beer already. I'd like to explain that to y'all. The first one was right here at a little pregame with the boys and and our guest. Um, but we're here with another show. Happy Friday, y'all. Uh, alongside with me, as always, Jaime and Big Blue. Jaime, how you doing tonight? Awesome. You nice drinking? Fresh, fresh, freshly showered, bro. Freshly showered, man. You look like you uh, lost a little bit of. You lost something there. What's going on here, man? I lost some of this. Was it in? Is it? Was it one of those accidents from your hobby the other day? <laughs> no, actually, no. Not this time. <laughs> no. What's it called? Um, it was just too much, man. It's getting too much. Um, where I work, it gets super hot, so it wasn't helping. You know. You were starting to look like an extra from the Perfect Storm. I'm just gonna say that I would have, I would have casted you. As one of the fishermen, right away, right away. What are you Cast- drinking tonight, man? What are you drinking tonight? I'm, I'm drinking. Uh, you know what? I don't even know what the name of this vodka is, man. I'm gonna lie, but it's vodka, and uh, it's not vodka. the whole thing. Not the whole thing. It's Sprite and vodka, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just straight, man. Well, just tell people it's straight, man. They'll, they'll right. like you. They'll like you. And, <laughs> I guess people were paying attention, and. <laughs> I was, I was, I was like these guys, man, for real. Hey, when you don't show, I know, you, I know. You, you get, you get smacked on, man. You already know it. You already know it. Big Blue, how you doing tonight, my man? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. So I, I'm also drinking tonight. So what you drinking, my man? A little bit of Miller, Miller time, and and I'm just doing my part as an American. You know, as an American, we all try to support our good old pals. Out in the Ukraine, so this is. <laughs> I was gonna say, that's, <laughs> that's not American vodka. <laughs> no, right now is that's that's our narrative right now. We gotta support Ukraine, so I supported yeah. them here by buying one of their nice vodkas. 
and it's okay. That's good, my man. That's good. I'm glad you're having a good time. I know you're on on location. You're doing some covert um, journalism out there. You know, we're gonna keep your location. I got my camel bag behind me. It's my bug out bag in case the feds come. (laughs) This is not my normal bedroom, okay? Now that's where the magic happens. As you see on the right side, I think, I think I see a washer or dryer. It's the dryer. (laughs) (laughs) You kidding? Did somebody kidnap you? Yeah, man. Look, I'm telling you, he's on covert mission. He's on a covert yeah. mission. Look, I tell you what, you ain't Mexican unless you got one of those right there. You see that in the corner? That's that's Avon, baby. Avon. Oh, dang, dude. That's when you know you're gangster, bro. That's that's a next thing you know, you're gonna bust out with the SPM hits. Well, <laughs> don't tell me. <laughs> Well, we got a, a new show for you guys today. We're, we've got some court documents that have been dropped. We also have a special guest. Um, we're going to be talking about the Koberger case a little bit. We're going to be talking about our guest. Uh, we got a lot, quite a bit of things lined up. We'll be going for about an hour, hour and a half or so. But with that being said, let's bring in our guest from What's the Obsession. We have Kelly. Kelly, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Kelly with the Yoda cup and some specialized tea. <laughs> <laughs> and Big Blue, I'm Ukrainian, so I'm your connection there. My grandparents oh, came nice. over from the Ukraine, so I'm your United States-Ukrainian connection this evening. Oh, there well, you go. Yeah, We're well, connecting right. people. <laughs> what is delicious from there? I actually have, I worked with about five providers that are from Ukraine. Really, really nice people. Real sweet. Nice. Awesome. That's great, man. That's great. And so, do it all day, every day. <laughs> They don't yell at me like the Russian ones do, so it's okay. Okay. <laughs> no, so I, I, work, I work from people from all over the world, honestly. That's and a great that's thing. Uh, and, I, and I like that because I've tried food from all over the world. We have potlucks, and they bring food from their from their home, you know, and it's delicious. We have Never Fear Never Fear Truth comes in with a six ninety nine super chat. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. your support and your donation. Uh, it says cheers. We drink to you guys. Um, we cheers. I forgot to say what I was drinking. I downed a Hill Country Bach beer uh, out of HEB. It's a uh, real L Brewing Company. I already crushed the can because I'm a gangster <laughs> like that. <laughs> and the next one that I, uh, I popped open was a Twenty um, First Amendment Brewery. Hell or high watermelon. Uh, it's actually kind of good. It's not too bad. Nice. And I also see that in chat, Heather says, I'm Ukrainian too. Hi, Heather. And I also see some of the um, Watsi Obsession moderators are here. So they just wanted to come and support you guys. And thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you. Oh, we appreciate everybody that's here. Yeah. We appreciate our mods yeah, and our members. Yes. You know, thank we're going to have a good show. Let's uh, keep it respectful and um, let's have everybody have a good time. So, uh, Kelly, did you happen to have, um, well, let's talk about you first before we get into everything. Sure. Can you tell us about your channel, how long you've been in YouTube, sure. things of that nature? Yes, my channel is Watts the Obsession, and as most of you know, the name comes from, I originally started you know, covering the Watts case, which many of you are familiar with. When I was finishing up one of my graduate degrees, I wrote my thesis in part on the family dynamics of the Watts case, having been a, well, lifetime, really, true crime fan. So it's Watts the Obsession, but... We cover all of the cases that are of public interest that are going on these days. I've been doing the channel a little over two years. We just had our two-year anniversary, and we have focused heavily on doing some deep dives into the Idaho Ford case. 
took a little bit of break from it because you know this you know, the subject matter can get a little heavy right it's not right. always the easiest to talk about all the time it's a horrific horrible horrible case and um you know we're back primarily because of the connection that i have with two guys from the university of idaho who were good friends of ethan chapin they are in the sigma chi fraternity and they are totally okay with that information being out there on the other night we did a live stream they took some questions from viewers and you know they just they they feel that they haven't been able to speak out they are not under the gag order and they understand that although they were confused about it as first but they mm -hmm. along with other people from the university of idaho if you'll notice you, you'll see that there's not a lot of students out there that are talking out, which I think is kind of unique. It's different than a lot of other cases. Right. And according to them, the message that their fraternity and the university was putting out from the very begin, beginning has been strong and it's been consistent. And they've essentially asked them to respect the victims, to respect the memories of the victims, and to respect the process and to not go out there and talk about things that may or may not be true. Right. No, for sure. 100 yeah. percent. You know, we're glad that they have you know, trusted you to come forward and and give somewhat of what their their truth is, so to speak. And, and Do you we'll mind be if talking... I answer a question from chat? Yeah, go ahead. So Bridget B asked, Kelly, why do you consult so many lawyers when speaking to the Sigma Chi boys? I find that extremely suspicious, but I'm open to your answer. And I think that's a great question. First of all, I just want to make sure that they're protected. If I'm going to be talking about their message and what they have to say on my channel, I feel responsible for that. And I want to make sure they're protected. I also, it's kind of easy for me. I actually started law school, dropped out of law school on a full scholarship, which I now kick myself in the butt for. But I have a whole family of attorneys. So I have very easy access to, you know, legal consultants. So that's the reason why. But that's a legitimate question. I thank you for asking, Bridget B. I mean, uh, you know, we talked earlier, we talked off air and we talked about Dave and Dave um, is a guy that has had some questions, too, about that. And I have also told him that he should be considerate of seeking a, a lawyer as well. Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, um, especially like in a case that there, there's a lot of stuff that's not clear, especially the gag order, what mm -hmm. somebody can or cannot say, things of that right. nature. Um how did she say her name? She named her channel. Is there a backstory? Wops. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I when I started up the channel, my goal was my goal with the channel really was I wanted to learn how to do video editing. I was working with some special education students at the time where in, um, you know, the educational institution they were in, they canceled a couple of programs, which included their video editing program. So mm -hmm. I wanted to be able to still give them some of that education. So I want to learn video ed editing for myself and for them. And I also had just finished my thesis, which largely explored the family dynamics in the Watts family. So yeah. I just thought it made sense. I thought it'd be interesting to people. I never imagined that two years later, I would be talking about all these cases and do what I'm doing now. So, you know, I've thought to change the name a couple of times. And then people who are knowledgeable of branding are like, no, don't change your name. You have a brand. So I just really mm -hmm. don't know what to do. So out of indecision, I am paralyzed. Well, I mean, we, we came up with we had that conversation as well. Yeah. You know, our 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 channel was never really supposed to be, you know, true crime or things of that nature. You know, we, we talked about conspiracies and aliens. And in fact, we're we're fixing to approach the one year anniversary of our channel on Thursday. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. And um. You know, our first episode was on Bob Lazar. And mm -hmm. so when Bob Lazar, Travis Walton, Fire in the Sky, 
and then it went to um recorded by the way yeah it was recorded the guys weren't comfortable yet um, uh, i'm not gonna say which guy but some of the guys uh, more than more going than with one, Jaime. <laughs> <laughs> more than one may have been not comfortable coming out uh, on live but once we did we felt that that was like you know our niche or whatever and then we started talking about richard allen give me one second guys i need to close my door I mean, some aliens, yeah. I was gonna bring this one back up. So you guys started talking about what? What? What was? What were? What did you first envision the channel was gonna be, Jaime? Well, the first thing that we talked about it a long time ago, and I remember we went out to. Um, I think it was Corpus, wasn't it, Denny? Mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, dude. Yeah, we went right? to Corpus and we lost time. And we lost time, and we're like, you know what? We should. We got there and faster than we were supposed to be there. And then we started just talking about like um, time travel, aliens. And we're like, we should just, um, we should get a podcast going. You know what I mean? Get a the YouTube channel going. And it just, um, it's, it just boomed from there pretty much. Yeah, yeah. 100%. So that was a, a 499. Yeah, that comes from Shattered Dimensions. Thank you so much. And I'll take a shot only because. Tomorrow's my birthday, and I'm gonna start early. <laughs> Happy birthday to Big Blue, y'all! Happy birthday, Big Blue! <laughs> he doesn't need a Happy reason. Birthday, it's an anniversary. It's a big week. Yeah. He doesn't need a reason to drink or shot. I don't. <laughs> I don't. You know, but I I do enjoy a few. You just enjoy life. Really. That's, that's all do. it is. You enjoy life. Life. Right. You only live once. You know. So I heard. That's what we hear, man. That's what we hear. <laughs> so we there there was recently um, some documents that were dumped, and I'm gonna try to find um, the order of these. All right. So um, I know you said you haven't seen these. This is one of the ones that just recently came out. Mm -hmm. uh, this one was dropped from the um, Idaho court system website. Uh, this okay. is referencing Snapchat. And this was um, required on April 3rd, right? And this is where the receipt and inventory of warrant. Um, Matt and Mogan identifier, description of property. Uh, these are the victims. You have Xana Cronodal, uh, Kaylee Gonzalez, Ethan Chapin, uh, two blanks, and then Madison Mogan. I, I would assume that these two blanks are probably Bethany and Dylan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, more than likely. Mm -hmm. And so this is for Snapchat. It even comes down here and it has their um, initials. Their initials, right? Yeah. And it says here, specifically from June 23rd to August 1st. Now, this isn't the first piece of document that has come out referencing uh, Snapchat. In fact, there was two other ones. And however, those were from August 1st to November 20th. So basically... What they're doing is they want to go back and look at the Snapchat accounts for the victims prior to August 1st and um, up, to, you know, as far back as June 23rd. I think this kind of gives us a little bit of a clue. The fact mm -hmm. that it's June 23rd, I think that might be about the time and or date that Brian Koberger arrived in that area. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think Sounds that's about the, right. That's the only thing that I can assume is that, you know, that at the time when they asked for the warrant, that was prior to. Now, does this tell you guys anything as far as maybe perhaps 
there was nothing on the Snapchat warrant or they didn't find anything from the first couple of warrants that were out from um, August until after the murders? Or do you guys think that maybe they're just looking for additional information? Um, we'll start off with our guys and then we'll move to Kelly. We'll start off with you, Big Blue, then we'll go Hyman, then we'll go Kelly. Uh, Big Blue, what do you think as well, to question, why they're going there? My question is who asked for it? Uh, was it the state or was it the defense? Uh, this was the state. The state? Okay. Right. I mean, maybe they just wanted some additional information because there is some information where that was out there that's saying that maybe one of them might have been from a dating site, but who knows? Right. Now, that's mm -hmm. true or not. It's been out there in the, in the internet web for a while. But uh, if it was a defense, it, I said it could have been. Um, well, this is the state. The state is asking for this information. Yeah, I would say they're probably just trying to get, you know, tie all their. But do you think that by them going back further, that they didn't find anything in the information that they already had from say, August to November? I would say, yeah, they didn't. They didn't didn't find the connection that's what i'm thinking too what do you think Jaime? yeah i think by them going farther back means that they didn't have nothing solid solid you know what i mean and they're just trying to get more evidence but i mean how how much evidence can you get from snapchat i mean doesn't all that, i mean does this leave a, a like a print behind like because i know they they you know certain you can change the the settings to for the messages to delete and stuff, right? Maybe perhaps they um, are looking at who he was following or if you mm -hmm. know, who was following them, any messages, things like that throughout that time. Kelly, what are your thoughts on this? piece? Of this well, topic? you know, my initial thought is, you know, I was just telling you guys about, I just put out that video last night about the um, tort claims that the Gonsalves and the Mogan family filed against the, um, it was the state of Idaho, the University of Idaho, Washington State University, the city of Moscow, and the Idaho State Police. Now, these claims are not necessarily tort suits, but they are claims that reserves the ability to, to file an actual suit later down the road. So, you know, in, you know, in the video, I was just kind of theorizing about some of the things that could have happened that could have warranted a tort claim against any of these public entities, like should Brian Kohlberger, in their opinion, do they know something that makes them believe that Kohlberger should have been apprehended before this tragedy happened? Or did something happen during the course of the investigation that they feel, where they feel the, the public entities failed their duty to them, the public and the victims, therefore an injury occurred, because that's what a tort claim is. So I'm not really sure, because I'm just looking at these for the first time, but I'm wondering if they could very, very well be tied together. Could could there, now I'm not familiar with any of those things, right? Like I, I want to premise that I'm not a lawyer, um, none of those things. And, and these are just our opinions, by the way. And so, and our understanding of what the court documents are. Uh, my question to you is, is there a possibility that they could be going, I guess, maybe after the state because something could be thrown out in this case? Like we, like, for instance, we know that there was some Brady Giglio paperwork that was filed mm -hmm. and is it possible that they think that maybe perhaps this is going towards the department because they allowed to have officers that may have had some credibility issues remain on the force and thus could jeopardize the case? What are your thoughts on that? 
I think particularly when we're putting these two pieces of legal information that we just learned together, I think that what you just said is is fully possible. Okay. And again, that's just me speculating, but what do you think, Jaime Big Blue? Oh man, I think it is. I think it has to do with the the two uh, officers. You know, what I mean that they miss, or maybe even the the mishandling of the whole situation of the of the of the house. You know, when they first when they first arrived and they 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 taped off the scene. Um, even from the beginning, we saw you know police officers in there with no you know hazmat stuff and you know right. none of that protective protective gear. You know. Yeah, and things that could have allowed them to leave their DNA at the scene. Exactly. You see, th there were some things about that scene that I had a lot of problems with. And, you know, I felt that they didn't do justice. Um, they didn't secure the scene correctly. And we'll get into it. Let me just answer a few of these real quick. Yeah. My son's 20 and turns 21 tomorrow. Happy birthday to all the wonderful June birthday babies. Happy birthday to your birthday. Birthday. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you for the four ninety nine. We appreciate and you. I don't mind sharing my month. It's okay. Desiree <laughs> <laughs> D comes in with a 1999 super chat. I hate I'm missing this. I'm at work. We'll listen on the replay. Much love, WTO, and happy birthday, Blue. Thank, Thank you, Desiree. We appreciate Thank you, Desiree. And then I have one more to get to. Happy birthday, Big Blue in the house. Thank you. Be big Gray here in a minute. Yeah. Um, it's close. It's close. It's a little bit in the beard. <laughs> uh, so. I was just handed two beers that were not selected by me or chosen oh, wow. by me. <laughs> my wife, I gave I gave my wife control of the alcohol that I was going to be drinking tonight. <laughs> I, thought we so I got something purple <laughs> <laughs> and something else that's yellow and purple. So we'll see. I thought we were taking it easy tonight. Apparently hey. not. Apparently this not. is easy. This oh, shattered dimensions comes in. Another shot for Big Blue's birthday. Have a great one, brother. You're only 21 once. Big Blue's been 21 for the last 15 years. What are you talking about? <laughs> so, sorry, I, I forgot to put my mic on mute on that one. It's all good, my man. It's all good. Uh, so with this here, uh, with this Snapchat thing here, how? What? what, what We'll start off with you, Jaime, and then we'll go around Circle Big Blue and then Kelly. Like, are you concerned about the, uh, I guess, the evidence that's out there? I mean, to me, this kind of looks like maybe they didn't find anything. But then again, they just might be adding to the evidence that they have. I'm trying yeah. to make it more solid. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking, man. I'm thinking that there's more. There's more. Uh, it has some evidence, but they want more context to it. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And that's what it is. That's what they're looking farther back. It's quite possible. You know, like I said, I thought maybe perhaps it was a few different things. Um, let's see. We have a couple of more documents that were that came out. Let me um, pull this up real quick. And so the other one that I found super interesting that I want to get your guys' opinion on mm -hmm. is from Strava. All right. Let me pull this up here. Let me uh, pop this up. So Strava is a like a workout app, right? It tracks your your working outs and your information like that, right? Yeah. And this is for Brian Koberger's. Now, um, I went back and I looked up. I downloaded the app and looked up the. Um, I, I downloaded the app and looked up 
Brian Koberger, and this is what came out. On August 4, 2022, in Pullman, Washington, um, he, he did a, a run, and this is on East Grimes Way. And now, I do think this is actually Brian Koberger's, because this is out of Pullman, Washington. This was from August 4, 2022. This is the only run that he had done okay. uh, that was logged in. Uh, he ran a mile in 6.9 minutes. Uh, that's a pretty good mile. It's pretty good only, mile, yeah. Only, it's a good mile. Only, only, yeah, only. I big blue can smoke that. I know that. Six flat, but six flat plus twelve. <laughs> six flat plus twelve. I, I would say. Now, here's my thing about this. Like, there's a lot of terms and service that are applied when you go and decide to do this. And the other thing, well, there's two things. First, where did he end up at? Well, you know, let me pull up the Google Earth here in a sec. Uh, I should have had this done already. Right, are you doing that? Old. Let me bring up two. Uh, Alice, thank you very much, Alice. Oh, geez. Thank you. Thank we you. We appreciate that. $50 super chat. She's my favorite crew. Y'all keep it real and are absolute gentlemen. You're and very much appreciative, and I look forward to everything you put out. Happy birthday, Blue. Thank, thank you, you, Alice. Thank you. Absolutely. I love that fish. I can't yeah. Tell. yeah, check that out. Wow. Nice catch. Is it a salmon? Yeah. I can't tell. It's hard to tell, but it's a very nice fish. Nice catch. That's a big blue that's, fish. That's what I'm going to be doing Saturday and Sunday <laughs> with Jaime. Right, Jaime? We're going to go fishing Sunday morning. I wasn't invited, y'all. You can come, but you have to drive all the way down here. You have to drive all the way down here. <laughs> and then we have a four ninety nine super sticker. Thank you, Lisa. We appreciate you. We thank appreciate you, everybody. You. We and we appreciate all the great comments you guys leave us. And, there, and there's one more. Haters are gonna hate. Yes, <laughs> they're always gonna hate. Thank the you. Truth. You know, thank I, you, thank I, you. and I appreciate everything, guys. Thank y'all very much. Yeah, we truly do. We truly appreciate everybody. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna make us um, finish our alcohol real fast. <laughs> I just opened this bad boy, so this is this is the small one, okay, guys. This is only this is only one point seven five, but the bad part about it, it's only forty percent alcohol. Uh, you know, I'm used to drinking ninety proof and up. That's because you're you're ninety proof. Yeah. <laughs> Like I, like I always say, I am built different. That's true. That is true. Yeah, he, he listens to Lady Gaga while he's doing that. Right, so. <laughs> I listen to everybody and everybody. Any genre is good enough for me. <laughs> now, I heard, I don't know how true this is. I'm trying to look it up. That apparently um, that running route that he did mm -hmm. ended at the Pullman or the Washington State University Police Department. Hmm. I don't know how true that is. I don't know how true it is. I'm trying to look up. Uh, oh, yeah, it is. Holy <laughs> smacks. <laughs> he did end up right at the. Uh, so this is um, this right here. This building here is the WSU Police Department. Yeah. And this is East Grimes Road, which is um, uh, this road right here that he ended up at. So he ended oh. up. Yeah. Isn't that weird? That is. That is weird. That's weird. I don't know what to think of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to process that right now. He he went for a jog in August of 2022, and he ended up at the WSU Police Department. Yeah, I huh. seen like I seen other people. I remember I had one case. I, I'm not really sure what the the, the person that, that 
about the case, but like the thing is that they figured out how or where she was when she got murdered with her Fitbit, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. And it like traced her down and like the route and stuff order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the case we were just doing the other day. Yeah. That was one of them. I was like, I can't remember, but yeah, yeah. It was crazy. Like, There's so many it. ways to collect data. It's like, how do people think that they can have all of these devices on them that collect all this data and then not get caught, you know? Yeah. There's good things about it and there's bad things about it. Like, I see, you know, here in San Antonio, they had a lot of, well, in San Antonio, not they, but a lot of people were finding them in their cars. Like, somebody was tracking them in their cars. Yeah. With that Apple tags? Apple tags, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, leads with love comes in with a ten dollars super chat. Maybe it was his PT for the PD job he applied for. That's a good part. That's a good possibility. Yeah, he was that like getting an intern, right? Internship or something like that. Well, he had applied for an internship. Yeah. Uh, supposedly he didn't get it, but he had applied for a internship. Uh, now the police here are looking between June twenty seventh, twenty twenty two, and December thirtieth, twenty twenty two, for his you know, geolocation data and things of that nature for Strava Inc. Yeah. So let's try to break this down. Why do you, why do we think that they want to use this information from here? Is it possible the geolocations, you know, maybe perhaps he, he said yes to terms and agreements that allowed this app to track his every move. Yeah. Especially, especially like, dude, I have a bunch of apps on my phone and every app that you download, Either ask you what they what they can allow for the files to um, get into your files or to get into your location. Daniel, right. I think me and you have the same problem, bro. What? Somebody just dropped an old smoky. <laughs> Happy birthday, boo. Hunch punch and a coconut rum. Uh-oh. Oh, man. Boo, Someone there in the chat says Brian had an interview with a... Um, PD, the police department chief of police. Well, he there was those emails that came out between his correspondence between, mm-hmm. I think it was chief, both chiefs or both yeah. police departments, the one in w, at WSU and the one in uh, Pullman. Now, to me, there's one or two reasons why they would be looking at it. First one is they're going to check his geolocations, his GPS tags to see how close he really came to that house. Now, up until the point of his arrest, all we had were his phone pings, right? And those phone pings are only so reliable. They even speak about how reliable they are in the uh, probable cause affidavit when they touch on the fact that that phone connected to a Moscow tower on the 14th, but he was not, you know, anywhere near there, right? And so this stuff here is a little bit more accurate. Maybe not you know, pinpoint accuracy that's going to tell us exactly where this guy was at. Uh, but, I mean, if we look at the Murdoch case and how they were able to utilize his phone to determine where he was at and at what time, I think that this is the possibility. The second thing that I think of is that this is going to give us a clue about his fitness at the time of the incident, right? Now, we don't know when he's going to court. and It's been stated that he's trying to lose weight or he's been losing weight. You know, while he's been in jail now, if he continues this trend of, you know, strict eating, strict dieting, maybe perhaps by the time court does come, because I don't think it's going to come in October. But let's just say it gets pushed out a year. There's a good possibility that this man could look very fragile. Now, there's been pictures of him that have been put out there where he's in a green button up shirt with a tie and he looks very skinny in that picture. 
And, you know, is it possible that he's trying to create an illusion about his physical appearance and his physical fitness ability? And maybe perhaps because, I mean, they're going to go in there and they're going to claim that this man took the life of four people utilizing a knife that's hand to hand combat, that's close range combat. And, you know, that's not there's going to be a physical, you know, it's physical activity. If he goes in there real frail and weak looking, appearing to be frail and weak, that might have some sort of, you know, sway with the jurors. Yeah showing that he was in physical fit condition at the time that he was, you know, you know, around the time of the uh, the incident could tell us a lot about his physical physical condition and so that he can't use that as a defense. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 I mean a lot a lot of a lot of people do that. Think about, you know, like the Jody Arias case where, you know, at the time of, you know, Travis Alexander's death, she was this blonde bombshell. And by the time she went to trial, she was wearing glasses. You know, a lot of times they said she was trying to look like a little mousy librarian, and she sure did. You know, yeah. and the idea is that she was trying to play upon the the feelings, the sentiments of the jurors. Yeah, right? I, I think the same thing with the Johnny Depp and the Amber Heard case. I mean, look yeah. at her. She she, yeah. she, she yes. her look down for the same reason. She didn't want to seem like a... Uh, like a sex blonde. Yeah. yeah. She wanted to look like a normal person so that way yeah. she can have a normal case. She wanted to look like an Avenger. Well, yeah. it's not that. It's more like, <laughs> like there's a thing that I noticed that there's a jealousy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in that, it, it depends on how many women are going to be on the juror selection. Sure. Even men. I mean, there's studies out there that have proven that theory true. Yeah, exactly. that's right. I mean, even Casey Anthony, right? Like, oh you yeah, see on the pictures of the videos out of her out out and about, but at the that's right. at the hearing or the trial, it was a whole different person. She was a little more buttoned up at that trial, that's for sure. Literally, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so it, it works, you know, the appearance in front of the the jurors and stuff absolutely works. And like when it also like even with the no, the house being demolished. I mean, mm, right. it helps for the jurors to go and see it physically instead of I agree. seeing pictures and or or mm-hmm. the 3D, you know, imaging. It's not the same. You got to be in there and see how it all worked out. And that, I think right. that's that's a horrible thing they're gonna do with demolishing it before trial goes. Yeah, like, and I, I think, think that you know. Go ahead, honey. I was, I was saying, I think they should do if they do demolish it because they're finding that they want to demolish it. Is maybe do some recordings in there of how it would sound, of people screaming, of people talking yeah. normal, yeah. of people whispering, and how you can hear it on each level. Mm-hmm. That way, that way it, they get an idea. Because if they don't do that before the case, that is a big knock to the case. No, I agree. And, you know, I think to Daniel's point here, you know, part of the thing with Brian Koberger is if he's trying to look really small and frail, you know, there is this question that a lot of people rightfully have. How could one person, you know, do all of that damage to four people in that extremely short amount of time? So Mm -hmm. if he is showing up looking all frail and, you know, just emaciated, you know, it's going to it will leave that impression of doubt in the minds of the the jurors. Could he actually have done this? I mean, you know, you take into account a giant fixed blade knife, it does certainly change the perception. But I think this is a really good point you bring up, Daniel. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, and then that's that's like the, the first two things that came to mind when I saw 
you know, what kind of app it was. The first one obviously was like, all right, he was sharing his location. I was able to see that he was he was running in his route. I saw that he ran a six minute mile, which is nothing to you know laugh about. And, um, you know, that, that tells you a little bit about his physical conditioning. If there's things on there, like, for instance, um, that he ran seven, eight, nine miles, you know, the rule of thumb is that if, you know, you can run a mile, that's about a minute in a fight. And so, you know, going through four, you know, human beings, victims, and, you know, in the manner that he did, that's going to take a toll on his body physically. And it's going to take a lot of exertion of, of uh, physical strength and, and uh, you know, just him being having to be physical in that, mo- in that moment. It, it just kind of makes me question, like, and we don't have all the information that's out there, obviously. But like the lack of what we understand as far as what the DNA that was left behind. And there's one you know, thing somebody put, he took boxing. No, he took kickboxing. It's a little bit more intense than boxing. Yeah, you got to be able to keep your stamina up to be able to get those kicks, the high kicks. I mean, I love my kick. I, I, I like I like MMA and I like that uh, kind of stuff. So I, even though I'm a big dude, I can... I can go maybe a round or two, right? Blue can but run like a gazelle. I always like remember. <laughs> I always remember. I had a kickboxing bag. So I told my mom for Christmas one time I wanted a punching bag, right? Yeah. So my mom, when she went to go buy a punching bag, of course my mom doesn't know what the difference between a regular punching bag is and then a kickboxing bag. So she bought me a kickboxing bag, and I remember my dad set it up for me. And you know, my dad's not a boxer or anything. He's he's a soccer fan. And you know, I go Smoker to punch fans it. can be boxers. Well, 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 I go to I go to punch it, and I'm like, but we hanged it up high, of course. So I punched the part you're supposed to kick. I thought I almost broke my wrist that day because it's full of sand. It's as hard as a rock. Well, we need to see your form, Blue. We we can't just take your word on this. Yeah, yeah. 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 I told you, I'm built different. <laughs> now, can I? I want to make a point here, if it's okay. I'm I'm seeing a Go lot of, of comments in chat, and and I hear this a lot on my channel. You know, people saying, <laughs> you know, somebody, you know, was saying, oh, these these people are. I'm not going to use the word that you use because I don't think it's a nice word, but like, you know, kind of crazy if they think that Kohlberger did it. A lot of people think that Kohlberger did not do it. Well, one of my moderators, thank you, Jeannie, just sent me a text reminding me that. Guys, we do need to remember, and you know, I, I don't, I certainly don't claim to know the outcome of this. I don't have any special psychic powers that somebody else doesn't have, but we need, do need to remember this. The probable cause affidavit is only required to have enough evidence put forth to secure the apprehension and the arrest of the suspect to get him off of the streets so he's not a danger to anybody else and so the legal process can begin. There can be an absolute shitload of evidence out there that we don't know about that was not in the probable cause affidavit because according to the parameters parameters of our justice system it's not required to be so anybody's making definite statements one way or the other in my opinion i believe it's really premature i i get that i would say though that the probable cause affidavit is going to have about 90% of the information that they have or the evidence that they have at but where that do you point. get 90% from though where I said is at that, that just- point because yeah. they need to take they're, they're going to take this man's freedom away they need to take right. him off the streets you have to have a justifiable reason to do so right but all and, they need to have is a justifiable reason it, right. it might be that they don't have another ounce of evidence that could be the case 
or they could have a ton more evidence. We at this point, because the trial is no, not begun, but the probable cause putting, affidavit is so detailed, and they have so much is. information that they don't really need. I would find it hard to believe that they had a lot more against Koberger. I'm not saying that they don't have more evidence. Like, obviously, mm -hmm. they, they've came out that they had like 51 terabytes worth of information and stuff, which yeah. is probably a lot of it is probably terabytes. Yeah, a lot of it is probably camera footage from, um, you know, um, surveillance cameras, whether they're from, uh, you know, a, uh, a red light or somebody's house or CCTV that they probably have hours and hours of footage of that they had to go through. You know, what evidence do they have that that ties to Koberger? I think it pretty it, it lines it out pretty, pretty simple in, in the probable cause affidavit. It states there that, you know, they had the video surveillance that did a video canvas. If we, let's think about the, the video canvas that they had. They had a white um, Elantra that was passing by the victim's residence during the time that they supposed that the crime had occurred. There's a unique identifier in that vehicle that it doesn't have a front license plate. So when they get the the Pullman Washington surveillance cameras, they have a vehicle um, out there on Nevada Street without the front license plate, right? And then they see that vehicle traveling towards SR 270, which is a road that goes directly towards Moscow at about 2:56 a.m. the night of the morning of the incident. Then they see that vehicle um, traveling back into Pullman Washington um, at around 5:50 in the morning and heading towards Koberger's apartment. Now. What that tells me is that just, you know, first and foremost, is that the, the person that committed this crime, first and foremost, either came from Pullman, Washington or came through Pullman, Washington and needed to go through there to get back home. So that there's a little bit of like um, narrowing where this you know possibility could be coming from. And so the next step that they did was they contacted Pullman, Washington, and they had their police department go out there and canvas white Elantras that were in the area, and they came across Brian Koberger's. Now, in the probable cause affidavit, they don't need to put how many white Elantras they came across or any of those things. They just need to have it focused in on, on Brian Koberger, right? Sure. And so, you know, they look at Brian, they see that he is, uh, he matches the height, weight, description, and build of the person that Dylan Mortensen stated that she had seen according to the probable cause affidavit. So then um, what they end up doing is they end up submitting that information to Payne. Now, for whatever reason, that comes out on November 29th. For whatever reason, December 7th, they come forward with the white Elantra being a 2011 to 13 Elantra. Now, in my opinion, I think what they did was, this is just my opinion, y'all, is they got a warrant for the cell phone tower nearest to the 1122 King Road residence. They they looked at the phone number for Brian Koberger based on the traffic stop that they had. They looked at the phones that were attached to that cell phone tower around the time of the incident. And when because Koberger's phone was off, it didn't connect. And so I think they may have put him on the back burner, which is why they didn't include his year vehicle during the time that they were searching for the white Elantra. And that's why they put 11 to 13, not 11 to 16. Yeah. And so, you know, you read the Howard Bloom article, it talks about Chief Fry and, and them getting very excited about the Eugene, Oregon um, Elantra that had crashed and was left out there on, November, on December 19th. Now, December 19th, Koberger was already in the Pocono Mountains. We can 
um, assume that they were aware of him being in the Pocono Mountains already by that time, and that he wasn't the vehicle in in Eugene, Oregon, right? And so that vehicle, we can assume, and this is just an assumption, uh, that they were tr they were focusing in on somebody else. Now, if you go and watch all the press releases and you go back to the website for Moscow for all the press releases, they had one December 7th, and then they didn't have another one until December 19th, which stated that they were aware of the wider launch in Eugene. The next one they had was December 20th, and uh, where they said that that wider launch in Eugene, Oregon was not, didn't have anything to do with anything, right? Now, December 23rd is when they'd have the warrant for uh, Koberger's cell phone pings. So they had his name this November 29th. They had his vehicle. They knew where he lived, yet they didn't get that warrant until December 23rd. Now, um, what is on that warrant and what they used and utilized to get that warrant, according to the PCA, was his criminal justice background and him knowing that there would be a, a way to track down his movement from his cell phone. And so they believed that he had turned his phone off uh, during the commission of the crime, but that there would be evidence to believe that perhaps while he was planning this um, crime, that he would have been stalking the victims. And perhaps during those stalking trips, because he wasn't utilizing, you know, he wasn't committing the crime that night, that he may have kept his phone on and mm -hmm. thus gave them the uh, 12 occurrences where he may have been stalking them. They then used that information to articulate, to go pull the trash that was coming out of his house to, to match the DNA. Well, now, they actually used the, this physical, right? From with a description, his vehicle, all that. They end up getting his DNA hit to the sheath, and then there's your arrest warrant. Now, in my opinion, they were banking, and the verbiage is there when you go read the search warrants, that they were banking on finding a lot of evidence against Koberger after the fact, after the arrest. They were going to find evidence of planning. They were going to find evidence of stalking. Um you know, all of those things and above, maybe even evidence of attempted contact. And so we don't know what that evidence is. We don't know what they found in the Elantra, if they found DNA from the victims. Uh, we had heard rumors that there was an ID card that was found inside of a glove, inside of a box. No idea who it's connected to. Um, we've had mainstream media come out and say that it was connected to somebody in the house, somebody that said it wasn't connected to anybody in the house. Just like we've had mainstream media come forward and say that Brian Koberger had messaged some of the victims through social media and then turn around and say that that's not the case. Yeah. So I don't know um, with all that being said when it comes to that. But I think it's it lines up pretty clear the blueprint that police took in order to arrest Koberger. And in my opinion, there's probably you know, two things that kind of alerted Koberger or towards Koberger. And it was on December 16th when him and his father took off cross country uh, to his house in the Poconos and they took an ulterior, you know, uh, route uh, that made probably law enforcement believe that he was fleeing. And yeah. I think that's why they started, you know, honing in on him. But there's a lot of evidence. We don't know what the results are. We don't know what the results were of the search of his phone, his cell phone, his uh, the computer, the laptop, you know, his car, 
There's so much more that we don't know, but that's all after his arrest. Does that all make sense, guys? Yeah. Yeah, yeah um, totally. First of all, I want to say this old Smokey did it again, brothers. <laughs> this thing is amazing. I love moonshine. Anybody out there, I love moonshine. Um, but the coffee one they make is amazing. This 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 one's called Hunch Punch. It's amazing. I took it down. No mixer needed at all. It's got enough fruit punch in it to to give you a punch. So it, it's good. And th- just think, we're not sponsored by any of these guys. Okay, any of these. Liquor. But you should be. <laughs> I keep saying, I keep saying, like, I'm their number one. Like, I can drink them every day. I don't know if you're 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 not you're not making sense anymore, Blue. Now, if you do <laughs> want to sponsor us, hit us up on our email at drunkturkeyshow@gmail.com. <laughs> you know, we're more than happy to drink your alcohol. We actually had code 1028 or yeah. 1028 liquor, something like that, uh, come through not too long ago. Go check it out. You can watch all of our older stuff. Uh, watermelon moonshine is great. I'm gonna tell you what, guys. This purple stuff that my wife got me, Viva San Antonio Brewery Ski San Antonio Vanilla Porter. That's why it's not the greatest. It's a porter, and it's a <laughs> the vanilla porter, porter, bro. Yeah. Oh man, I'm struggling, dude. She did this to me on purpose. Oh, <laughs> you know, she knows I don't like coffee and things. She did this to me on purpose. Uh, oh but, man. So, what evidence do you think that? could possibly uh what is the biggest piece of evidence to you uh kelly when it comes to um brian koberger that leads that he is the guy well you know i think certainly dna dna evidence is always strong of course we just have as far as we know just that one bit of touch dna from the snap of the knife sheath Mm -hmm. um i think that that is critical i do think now i do think that the cell phone ping evidence is a little stronger than some other people think um I personally think that Coburg, when we're looking at the list of, of, of items that they were able to obtain through warrants, and then when we're able to look at the list of items that Coburg's attorneys are looking to suppress or seal of the items that was gathered, of those items that were gathered through warrants, I personally think he was using at least a couple of electronic devices. So I think it's going to turn out to be that that evidence is a little stronger than we believe it to be. But I mean, I personally believe that he is guilty. I'm certainly open to the idea that I could be wrong. I say all the time I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. And I could be wrong now. But at this time, that that's my belief. What do you guys think? Yeah, well, we'll get to that in just a minute. So we've we are also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And one thing that we've been informed to do is do a break point. And so we're going to take a five second break here, get a word from our sponsors on YouTube side. Don't worry, just kind of stick there um, here on um, for those that are listening to the replay back. Uh, don't go anywhere. We'll see you guys on the other side. Guys, if you don't mind just being quiet for the next five seconds. And we're back. Welcome back to the Drunk Turkey Show on the second half. Now, on Friday nights, as we always do, it is a members-only show on the second half. So we have implemented that. If you guys want to comment and have your questions asked or whatnot, we recommend you become a member. Uh, But it is only members for the live chat. Um, Everybody is still welcome to view and watch 100%. And so to me, the biggest evidence 
right now is obviously going to be the DNA on the sheath, uh, in my opinion, that puts him there. Um, And also, so I was pretty certain that they got the right guy early on. And then as more information started popping out and then the defense started asking for more um, evidence, discovery, things of that nature. And then there was the Brady Giglio thing that started coming out. I started to question, you know, how much information they have. But I will say this. Brian Koberger standing silent. Just spelled guilty for me. Um, and that's just my opinion. Just I, I, I didn't I, I, I felt like that was the moment for him to say that he was an innocent person or not guilty. At least he was powerful enough to say he was going to be exonerated when he got arrested, but couldn't say he's not guilty. And then in the date, in the Dateline special, the, the sister coming forward and saying that it was not a normal thing for Brian Koberger to be wearing gloves. You know, it's not a normal thing, period. Maybe, maybe not. I wear, I wear, latex gloves when I'm picking up dog crap and have to, sure. you know, take the dog bag to the, from the backyard to the front. I'll, I'll be honest. You know, I'll wear, I'll wear some gloves every now and then. Cause I don't want to get my hands, you know, jacked up or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it not being a normal occurrence for him to the point where they went outside and checked his car kind of spells a little bit of guilt for me. Those things kind of let me start to think, all right, yeah, man, maybe this guy did do this. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, I, 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 it doesn't mean much, you know, to me, I'm still the guy that's going to say, if there's DNA evidence in that car, it's him. If there's yeah. not, whether it's him or not, I think he's going to walk. Yeah. I, th- I think, um, what I, what I'm wondering is like, what was Brian doing before that made it their, his sister suspicious for him to be the person of interest? You know what I mean? Well, they said the corner of the Dayline special was he was wearing gloves. Besides that, besides that, and like before that, you know what I'm saying? Car, like they questioned him. He had to be doing something. He had to be doing something weird that wasn't part of his routine. You know what I mean? Yeah, because the sister came out saying, you know, that they thought it was him because of the way he was acting. Supposedly to the Dateline because it was from a third person, right? Because it wasn't the sister saying it; it was a third person. But I, I think throwing your trash out with gloves is pretty weird to me. Nah, dude, I That's wear weird. gloves when I throw out the trash, bro. But you, there's dog shit in there. I don't yeah. want to get that on my hands. So the question is: Do they have a dog? Is there a dog shit <laughs> in the trash? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's got to be some context, you know what I'm saying? If yeah. I'm just throwing out my regular trash, it's not a big deal. But if I'm having it like, like I got a few dogs and they're big. And um, when it rains and I have like turf, I have AstroTurf in oh, the yeah. backyard. And so the flies will get into the trash can and they'll lay oh. their larva and stuff. Hell oh. no. I ain't going to touch that shit with my hands. <laughs> I don't care what Guess anybody what, says. Daniel, no one blames you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Angel D comes in saying, who told Dateline that information? And we're going to answer this, and then I want to get into the frat uh, students. Um, who do you guys think told Dateline ab- uh, about what the sister had said? Do you think it was a sister? Do you think it was somebody else? We'll start off with you, Kelly, and then we'll go with Hyman Blue. 
You know, I I, re- I truly don't know. I honestly, there were some things in that Dateline that I thought did have some credibility that rang true to me, but I thought the Dateline was a little bit all over the place. They made it very unclear who their sources were for anything. So truly, it's anybody's guess. I I don't know. Yeah. I feel the same way, man. I mean, they said it was a source of, their, of them, but um, mm-hmm. who knows? Who knows? Um, source could be yeah. anything. Yeah, it could be any, anybody. Uh, but like you said, too, it's like it kind of painted a it was kind of all over the place. And I was trying to like keep up with it. But like at the same time, it was like, oh, there's some information here. You can actually like see that makes sense. You know what I mean? Right. But at the end of the day, it's like when I heard about the sister actually thinking that it was Brian and for them to go uh, search his car, that was like, whoa. Yeah, that's, uh, that's very interesting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What about you, Boo? What do you think? Oh, I think uh, I think it's a third person, maybe somebody close to his sister, maybe um, a friend or boyfriend that maybe talked to Dateline because they, they honestly said it was a third person. It wasn't her. Um, that's right. We can't, you know, speculate. That's what they said. So I want to say, you know trust your friends because if you give your friend something something that's supposed to be private and they give it to the media it's up to them so. I, i'll tell you who it was it was the same guy that said that Coburger was wearing gloves inside that kitchen it was a police officer and i guarantee you they probably asked you know hey is this normal and the sister's like no in fact you know what are y'all here for there's probably a conversation like what's going on we have a search warrant we have an arrest warrant. You know, there's questions that need to be asked and answered to there. I guarantee it was a police officer that came forward saying, hey, while we were doing this arrest warrant, this is what we saw. Because nowhere in any document is there that that Coburger was wearing gloves during the arrest no. and that he was going through his trash. No. Who would know that Coburger and the police that knocked the door down? Yeah. That's right. Hey, that's good thinking, Daniel, I think. You know, and so... Um, Big Blue, I know that you have to go because you're the uh, the bell of the ball there. Yeah, uh, the birthday boy. Yeah, yeah some fun. <laughs> well, it's tomorrow, but I want to thank everybody for their birthday wishes. Y'all make me feel special in this world, and I just want to say no. um, thank you to everybody. All we say is our opinions, our speculations, and you know, it, don't make me cry, Blue. Hey, 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 I get those speeches when I, when I get a little bit in me. Um, oh, Smokey, you need, I can be a good sponsor if y'all want me to be a good sponsor. Yeah, I like Old Smokey too. I know somebody was saying that I had to work on my puke face. If if they send me a stout or a porter, they're gonna get a puke face. I'm not. You, know, <laughs> you want to send me something that you send me a light, a light beer, maybe something kind of kind of tangy, some lemon or something. I'll be good. But your wife will serve it up for you. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday, Blue! Thank you for being a part of this. Thank you. How many people can say that they they were a valedictorian at their college the night before their birthday? Not very many. Oh. Congratulations, <laughs> Blue! Uh, you know, thank you. Another trip around the sun. Man. I drank all my mixers, and I don't want to drink straight because I want to be able to function still where I'm going. I need to dance tonight. You know. Oh man! And so I want hey. to be able to say thank you, everybody, for being on here. We have 1,200 people. Uh, thank you guys. Thank you, Kelly. And I just want to put it out there is 
Y'all have a good night. Y'all drive safe. If y'all have a, <laughs> if y'all have any graduations, any birthdays this month, y'all take care. Y'all be safe. Um, I, there's a lot of people out there that I know that graduated this this uh, this graduation season. I would call it. And it took a lot. It took a lot of family behind them. It took a lot of um, hard work. You, you're y'all getting into it, your valid Victorian speech, bro. Well, it's merging. It's <laughs> merging. So I have to, I have to put it out there. And the other day, somebody put on there that there's 70. I think it was 72 year old grandma graduate with her GED. Congratulations. Congratulations. That's amazing. That's that great. An, that's an awesome, awesome thing she did. So y'all take care. I'm jumping out. And old Smokey, if you want me to sponsor, just send send, <laughs> send an email. Uh, email away. So y'all take uh, care, guys. I gotta go. Later, man. Right, see you later, man. I guarantee you he's not wearing clothes under his cap and gown. He's just, <laughs> no, he's not even wearing he's probably just wearing the the, the, the top half of his shirt right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we love you, Blue. We love you. Oh, man. Uh, Shattered uh dimensions 499 super chatted. Everything is so cut and dry. Why are we also consumed with this case? Why are there so many questions? The official narrative shot time. Whew. Gag order. Yeah, the gag I order. mean and then there's we feel, I feel like we feel like we need to fill in. I mean, it might be more than this, but I feel like, you know, it's not, the gag order with these cases that are very popular in the media. A gag order is not a very common thing. So my personal feeling has been like we have this need and I think it's a very normal human need to want to fill in that silence with some details yeah. that we're starving for because there ain't nothing coming our way. Except for what do you, what do you think? What do you think about the fact that like. There isn't a lot of body cam footage that has been released in this case. There right. hasn't been 911 uh, call that's been released in this case. I'm dying to hear that 911 call. There's like been, like, you have the police department come forward saying that they're looking for a 2011 to 13 Elantra. They arrest a man that has a 2015 Elantra. You have, you know, <clears throat> I think there's reason to have some mistrust there. You have the Giglio Brady, sure. Brady thing that came with the police department. Um, you have the sticker gate, um, controversy where you had the, in fact, the two officers that arrived on scene here, uh, violate the rights of a juvenile and, uh, didn't allow, um, violated the rights out of two young men, one being a juvenile for applying a sticker on a pole. Yeah. Like crazy. Yeah. There, there are some things there. I mean, I think that's a lot of the reasons why there's so much speculation here. Sure. And, and and there's a lot of secrecy in this case. You know, you have another guy that um, whose life was taken by SWAT team um, in the area a month later. We don't really think it has anything to do with this case, but a lot of people are trying to connect the dots because mm-hmm. there's no body cam footage. There's no 911 tape on that one. There's right. no there's nothing that's come out. And people are saying, hey. You know, if you're being mysterious about this, is there a reason behind it? Is there a connection? And it's, you know, that it's all based on the police department's actions. They're doing some weird things. What do you think about the police department there in Moscow? And Kelly. I think, I mean, I think that there, for all of the reasons, and I can't think of another one, I think you listed the list that I have in my head. There's definitely a lot of shade around the police department in Moscow. And that is why I've been so interested in this, you know, this tort claim that the families filed against 
in part the city of Moscow, which includes the police department and the Idaho State Police specifically. I think that they definitely think that there was some wrongdoing that went on there. And, you know, the big question in my mind is that was it before the tragedy or was it after the tragedy during the course of the investigation? But I think that that Moscow Police Department, from all of these body cam footage that we saw that, you know, um, certain channels released, you know, them interacting with the students, I think they, they come off as being shady as hell to me. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I agree that there's some stuff that's shady there, you know, like, for instance, when. But I think if there is anything that's kind of shady, it's going to be with just within that department. I don't think yeah. this is like a multi-agency shadiness thing going right. on. Like, for instance, some people were saying that, you know, the FBI or the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania planted, you know, or got no. Koberger's DNA or whatever no. the case may be. I don't think that the, I don't think that the FBI or the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. What would be what Moscow. would be in it for all of those agencies to get involved in this cover up that could I mean, it really could it could it could ruin their reputation there. It could take down the agencies. I mean, what would be in it for them to get involved right. to that degree. Yeah. I just don't see it either. I don't see that either. 100%. No. Patricia Marshall says his dad rode in his car and didn't see anything. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, there's a lot of things about also Koberger that make you question, is it really him? Like, for instance, uh, he went to work as a teacher's assistant that Monday after the incident. He had a doctor's appointment where he, I think he did a physical or something similar to that. Um, that week after the murders and then he kept his barber's appointment and so like he did some things that you wouldn't typically expect somebody that committed a crime like this would have done especially if there was signs of the uh of the altercation like for instance if he had scratches on his face or neck or arms mm -hmm. and hands you wouldn't you would assume that he wouldn't have gone to work and he would have had a reason not to go to work there was a lot of people who were not attending class at the university because of the incident that occurred so he had, and even even the doctor's appointment, you know, in the article that referenced him going to the doctor, they stated that they had a lot of cancellations. And that's what made him memorable because he was one of the few that didn't cancel. And he was they described him as being charming and this, that and the third. And well, so barring the scratches that you're mentioning and my background is I'm a behavior. I'm currently a behavioral therapist. So all of these things that you're mentioning, you know, if, if taking putting aside the possible physical scratches because that would make the situation different in my mind because certainly he wouldn't want people to see that right. but you know if he didn't have those physical scratches which is sort of hard to believe but you know him actually going to all of those things those are going to be the hallmarks of your psychopath profile you know he's going to be proud of what he did he's not going to want to hide from the world he's going to do what he did he's going to be proud of it he's going to want the world to see it he's going to want to also uh, and a firsthand basics experience the reaction of the world around him to what he did. So he's not going to, you know, cancel his opportunity to experience that response firsthand, you know. But if he did have those physical scratches and other, you know, marks on him indicating that he was in some kind of an altercation, that then would put it in a different category. So it's hard to know. Do you find it hard to believe that he he left that incident if he did commit this crime without a scratch? I do. Yeah, I do. I do, too. And so the other question I have for you is how many people do you think were alive during the commission of the or I mean, not alive, what? awake during the during the attack? Well, unfortunately, I, just, I think Xana definitely was. 
um, just because we have her being on TikTok at 412. And, you know, if the investigators estimated when this occurred is correct, you know, four o'clock to 425, she would have had to fall asleep real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, I think from what we know, I think that Gonzalez and Mogan were probably sleeping. Um, was, you know, I think the big question is going to be, was Ethan up? Because right. Ethan would, would be the formidable opponent to him, right? Yeah. Right. I don't know. What do you guys think? What do you think, Jamie? I think you were kind of shaking your head when we were talking there. Well, I think at least two people. Uh, wait. I think at least two people were um, were at least awake. Oh, three. You know, I'm, I'm thinking that three people were awake. Uh, maybe not through the whole thing. You know what I mean? Through the like, kind of by surprise at one point. But I think two of them or three, at least three of them, woke up. Yeah. I mean, you have you have the initial person that was first attacked. Yeah, yeah. You you can assume that she was probably asleep. Yeah, yeah. And we're assuming that the the first people attacked were the third floor victims. Yeah. I don't know which one. I think of it those. goes in the order of those tattoos: Maddie, Kelly, Zana, Ethan. Right. Now, if that was the case, my assumption is that Kaylee, if she was sleeping next to Maddie, may have woken up during that attack. Yeah. Right. So that's at least one person away. We also have uh, Dylan Mortensen saying that she heard somebody say that somebody was in the house. Like, who would she be telling that to? Right. So you would assume that there was at least two more people that were awake. Mm -hmm. And if Xana was awake during that part, during before that crime was committed, let's just say if she was up and saying somebody's here prior to Brian Koberger making entry into that room, yeah. And she was telling somebody else, or even if she wasn't, and she, you know, somebody enters that room. She's waking him up. She's already awake. We would assume that she's making a noise or saying something that would wake up the person next to her. Yeah. I find it very difficult to believe that he was able to control all four people without getting a scratch on him. That's, utilizing a knife. A you know, yeah. utilizing a knife and having to be in close contact with these people make it very difficult to believe. And I think that's why a lot of people have a hard time believing this um, and wonder if there's more to it. Mm -hmm. Um, You've you've been in contact with two students from the University of Idaho that are Sigma Chi fraternity students. How long have you been in contact with them? I've been in contact with them since, well, so here's how I got in contact with them. It was 10 days after this occurred. I hadn't even started doing content on this yet. I wasn't sure if I was going to every now and then there will be a true crime case that comes up where it just hits you in the heart so hard. I didn't even know if I wanted to cover it, but still I was like, you know, my God, what happened? So I reached out to four different people and it was all, you know, it was all looking at the, uh, the, the fraternity, what happened at the fraternity? Did Zana and Ethan go to the fraternity? At first people were saying that there was some fraternity involvement in it. So I wanted to know about that. So of the four people that I contacted, two got back to me. One I just interacted with for a couple weeks, and then there just was no more reason to. And this one student I continued to interact with. About a month after we were corresponding very regularly, and I didn't even say anything about it on my channel because it wasn't my goal to exploit his story or anything at this point. You know, being a behavioral therapist and listening to what he had to say, I kind of was taking on that role. So he said, well, listen, I want, you know, my other friend, I've talked to him about this. He wants to get in contact with you as well. Is that okay? And I said, yeah, of course, sure it is. So then we started doing like Google Meets and stuff, like all talking together, or just say both our numbers, we would text back and forth or communicate through email. So I've been in touch with them for over six months. So over this six month period of time, 
you know, they've told me certain things at first, a lot of what they told me, you know, I didn't know them from anybody else. It was just a guy that responded to me when I made an inquiry. So I checked up everything that they told me and every single thing that they've told me turned out to be accurate to the degree that I'm able to check up on it. Now they had been, I had cop got copies of their licenses checked out. I know exactly who they are for 100% sure. There ain't no doubt about it. I've talked with them on Google meets. It seems like scores of times. I don't know exactly how often. I mean, definitely a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, what made them ultimately speak out really was something that, you know, they initially heard. I think it was either on your channel or another channel that, you know, you've been connected with at certain times. And that was the Washington State University Kim's claim that a lot mm -hmm. of students knew early in the morning. Now, the other day, you know, when you were on another channel, Daniel, you know, I heard you, you know, making this point because, okay, first of all, these guys have said, and now they're very close friends with Ethan Chapin, and they are still in touch with the Chapin family. And in fact, I've talked with different members of the Chapin family about it. Now, this is people sometimes will ask me, like, why do I get so emotional about this? I don't usually get emotional about, about this stuff. I usually try to come from a professional perspective and keep the emotions out of it. If you had talked to these guys and you had talked to these family members, any of you out there, and you didn't have some emotion about it, I, you know, you'd really wonder about yourself. Right. You know, it's really, it's heart wrenching. It truly is, especially like Ethan Chapin's mother. Um, so, you know, their big point of contention is if all of these people knew hours prior to the 911 call being made, they believe they, they estimate they were up between 10 and 10 30. They say, we don't know exactly because until this day was a freaking sideways all over the place day, nothing was different than any other day. And apparently Hunter Chapin was up even earlier than them because he had some significant study, um, a study, he had to do a lot of studying that day. He had a lot of schoolwork planned for that day and some study groups. Uh -huh. So they feel, and this includes Hunter Chapin in that group, that if, you know, like a whatever number, uh, like a decent amount of students knew hours before the 911 call, they feel that they would have known and it personally feels offensive to them. And I please, if you're somebody who's been criticizing this, because I've been getting some very harsh criticism about this, I just want you to pause and put yourself in this position for a moment. It feels personally injurious to them, especially Hunter, this idea that all these people knew, meaning that they very likely could have known and they didn't do anything about it because their stance is, my God, if we knew that that would have happened, we would have called law enforcement immediately. We would have shown up there immediately. We would have done yeah. something. We would have done anything to do something about the situation. Right. So that's what's up. No, no, uh, uh, of course. And, you know, I, I do want to say, though, that according to the Howard Bloom article and the probable cause affidavit, there was other people that had arrived prior to law enforcement. No, they. So, OK, let me let me make this distinction, because this is another thing that I've taken a lot of heat for. Yes, they I put out a video the other day putting out, you know, kind of like the timeline of things that mm -hmm. we know. And they all along have said yes. And they know exactly who was called to the house prior to the 911 call being made and who made the 911 call. And I've talked about that on my channel a couple of times. I don't know if I want to talk about it anymore because I don't know if I should in the first place. I think I kind of overset my bounds. But mm -hmm. yes, they certainly concede. You know, their estimate is, you know, when they're pressed by me to make a time to come up with like a timeline. They're saying up to, you know, just minutes before the 911 call was made up to half an hour before the 911 call was made. So anywhere between 1130 and 1158. 
but it's a big difference. Like, you know, like that guy, the, the guy who's calling himself Dave. And I'm certainly not saying that he's lying. I'm not saying that I do not not believe him. I don't know if that double negative was right there. But I, 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 I don't know what I believe. I'm not accusing him right. of lying by any means. But his estimate is based on when he says he had to be to work, et cetera, et cetera, that there were these snaps going out with a group of people, a Snapchat group of people of 40 to 60 people around 8.30. So three hours, that is a large amount of time prior to the 911 call. All along, they've maintained that, yes, certainly, people knew about it before the 911 call because it was people outside the house who came there who made the 911 right. call. Now, Absolutely. now, when it comes to Dave, I, I will acknowledge this. So Dave is who he says he is. I've done some of the same similar vetting. You know, I've got his license and his ID or whatnot, and we've been able to verify who he is. Uh, he didn't come forward right away with the information that he had. He thought it was common knowledge that people knew about it, basically. You know, he didn't come forward with I it. I just want to say that I know that Rose in chat is Kim. So this caps, Dave is not lying. Your frat boys are lying. And this wavering and your attitude about it, I don't really appreciate it. So I just like lay off the caps in the chat. It's not my channel, but it's seen as being obnoxious. So go ahead. Yeah, sorry. yeah. Let's let's not do that, guys. Um, it, I, I, I talked to Dave. I've listened to him. I've seen him get emotional. I, I strongly believe what he's saying is true or that he believes what he is saying. Now, the accuracy in which he, what he's saying begs to differ. You know, one thing that I've told a lot of people is that, you know, we all should be aware that witness testimony is probably not that reliable and and memory isn't that reliable when you're trying to recall things, especially six months, seven months ago. And you have a guy who hasn't been coming out telling his story or saying these things for a while. You know, he basically heard Kim talking about, you know, her daughter being aware, you know, earlier on during the day. And, you know, her saying, like, how do you know? How do you know? Kind of got to him and made him think, you know what? I knew about this earlier than what sure. 911 did. And so, like, how did we know? And, you know, I think that there is a small connection between the two. If you listen to what Kim says, you know, her information comes back from um, her daughter who has a sorority sister who's dating an athlete from the University of Idaho. Allegedly. Um, I've been able to verify those things. Okay. Yeah, I've been able to verify that she, the daughter is a sorority, a sorority person, that her sorority sister within her sorority sister is who she says she is. They are friends mm -hmm. on social media as well. And through her social media, I've been able to find the relationship status between her okay. and the University of Idaho student. And so, yeah, I've been able to verify all of those points. And that University of Idaho student uh, or athlete has connections to the sorority of the PIFIs or they're called sure. PIFIs. And according to Kim's daughter, the information that came forward um, trickled down through the PIFI group. Now, when I talked to Dave, the first thing that he told me was like, one, you know, you know, I spoke to him recently. He's like, man, I, I, it was a long time ago. I don't remember a lot of, you know, the way things came out because I asked him flat out. I was like, hey, when you woke up and you looked at your phone, where was there a lot of messages? I noticed that some of the things you were saying were like people doing wellness checks, like, hey, are you OK? Are you OK? 
And I, I realized that maybe perhaps some of the information that he was putting out there was information that was trickled on throughout the day, not so much something that he saw sure. right then and there. So I asked him that question, like, hey, when you, what information did you see? And he's, he said there wasn't much he could remember, but that early on, um, there was no talk about Ethan, that it was just something happened with the girls and at the girls' sure. house. That leads me to believe that the entire scene wasn't either discovered or they didn't know about Ethan. And mm -hmm. thus, if if they didn't know that Ethan was had anything to do with this, uh, I don't know. I think that's why he thinks and why we think maybe perhaps his fraternity wasn't contacted. Sure. And, you know, what he had said was that it was some of that within these groups, the people that were saying that they knew things were somewhat connected to the Pi Phi sorority. And so there's those two stories that have come out and they're their opinions and their stories. They have no reflection on us and our, on our show. They are who they say are, and we can only vet so much that we can vet without having information. Right. Right. Um, Absolutely. But with that guy, what he, what he ended up saying was that it sounded like it came more with the high fives and it wasn't so much that there was a lot of people that knew right away. It was a lot of people started to gain traction about the knowledge of it as the day proceeded. Um, he said that it and was, I can uh, imagine how your timeline would get a little murky when it was such a high emotion, high intensity situation. Right. Yeah. Now, he's pretty adamant about the 930 time because he had mm -hmm. to go to work that day. Mm -hmm. And then that's around the time that that he was aware of it. The only thing and this is just my speculation and my thoughts is that maybe perhaps Dylan contacted more people that night other than the people in the house. Like, for instance, I think maybe she heard something, started contacting people in the house, maybe contacted other people like, hey, I just heard something weird going on. It sounded like somebody was getting, you know, taken out or whatever the case may be, yeah. thinking that that wasn't what the case was. And maybe that rumor started to spread early in the morning before anybody showed up. It's possible. That, well, that would make it look super bad. It would make it look very bad. I would yeah. definitely agree with that. Um but at the same time, a lot of people, I don't think many people would expect to believe that somebody's committing a quadruple homicide in your house, especially oh, a house. No. You know well, what I'm saying? Well, I mean, it yeah. depends. I mean, from all the commotion, I'm sure like for the people that were awake, they will be fighting for their life. Thank you, Karen. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. There's there's so much about this that just kind of it's that's why people have a lot of, you know, why this is still such yeah. a hot topic. Um, real quick, we had Karen. Thank you. She said, thank you, Daniel Big Blue and Hyman DTS. Y'all bring real deal and soulful investigations to YouTube. And thank you, Kelly. Um, we have protected 199. Is there any way to become a member on my phone? Yes. If you're using an iPhone, the way you're going to have to do it is you're going to have to go to the internet browser and go to youtube.com on the internet browser and then just search up drunk turkey show and there should be like a joint oh, she button. got there she got there yeah. right. you can't do it through the app unfortunately which is so yeah. weird yeah <laughs> angel d comes in with a two dollar super thank chat you. thank you for an amazing live kelly and dts thank you so much oh thank she you. did get it thank you it is. <laughs> yay <And> protected so, <laughs> yeah in, um, in the niece context steve and his family no, well, that's what that's what they're saying, right? 
No, right out of Mrs. Gonsalves's mouth. I just made a video about this the other day too. She says oh. that they were contacted, that they found out initially at 1 p.m. There is this, yeah. you know, these people that are saying, oh, well, there's a time difference and whatever. It's really, it's just, in oh. my opinion, that's just a bunch of bullshit. It's like, you're going to say the time that is in your time zone where you sit right now. Like here yeah. in New York, it is 9.59. I know where you, all, where you are, Daniel, it's 8.59. So if someone asks me a question, I'm not going to say, oh, it's 8.59. I'm going to say it's 9.59 because that's what I'm seeing on my clock. So right out of her mouth, per the Chronicles of Olivia interview, and I just did mm -hmm. a couple videos on my channel, she says we found out around one-ish. Period. End of story. As far as I'm concerned, issue over. Yeah, I, I find so the main the main point to it is that um, he says, he is Steve, he says that uh, they waited, they found out from family members what had happened, that they had to wait six hours for but the sheriff. But he also said 10 hours. Right, which was my point as well. Um, I said that, you know, if because it was on Truth and Transparency, and Lena was saying that, uh, long story short, that, you know, because of that six-hour thing, and I told her, I was like, look, I know you're going in and saying that the Gonzalez family are, like, super precise when it comes to their times, and then they may very well be. But in this scenario here, and, and there's been a lot of scenarios where they've been a little bit inaccurate, and I think a lot of it has to do with emotion. And, and rightfully so. I mean, they're emotionally tied to this. And, um, you know, I think there's some exaggeration when when Steve is saying that uh, we had to wait for six hours, or we had to wait for 10 hours. I mean, it could have felt like six to 10 hours. Right, exactly. It probably just felt forever. It doesn't mean that they were, you know, um, notified at 1030. Yeah. Um, because to me, there is just no way that if the parents were notified at that early on, right. that police aren't there somehow, some way. Like the they parents wouldn't call authorities immediately. It's just asinine craziness. Right. So I don't I don't I don't buy that. Now, two things can be right at the same time. The parents may not have been notified mm -hmm. until one o'clock and somebody else could have known about this prior to. And so, mm -hmm. you know, Dave, Dave is pretty strong willed that they were aware and that there was some rumor spreading um, early that morning that it started off with as a possible stabbing, then changed to an OD and then went back to a stabbing after everything was said and done. Um, mm -hmm. You know, have. Do the guys that you talk to in Sigma Chi, are they familiar with anybody in the uh, Pi Phi sorority? Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's something I've talked about before in the channel. And they they claim that they and I believe them that they have not talked to anybody who says that they knew earlier on in that day. And, you know, we've had this discussion that things can get a little confusing because some people did find out slightly earlier than when the 911 call was made and when you're in the midst of this intensity and this horrible tragedy and this confusion happening you know your brain can just kind of turn into pudding and you can like kind of change things around but they've talked to a number of people including they're very good friends with the girls in the pi fi in fact they have a lot of not them but they have a lot of fraternity brothers who are dating girls in pi fi They've all discussed it as a big group and nobody has said that they knew any earlier than around 1130, which is one of the reasons why why we have that kind of 1130 time in the timeline. You see, that's kind of what Dave says, that some of his friends are even dating some of the Pi Fi's and that that was, was the like, Pi Fi's date a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, those are, those, that was basically the same thing that he had told us and that, mm -hmm. you know, he's even told me that he has some people that are willing to come forward and say that they were also aware 
um, earlier than the 911 call. How much earlier? I, I, I We haven't gotten into those conversations yet. Um, mm -hmm. I'd rather talk to those individuals first and get it firsthand from them than sure. to, to add any speculation to what he is saying. Uh, but, you know, I like I said, he he could be a Dave could be a very much well be a very good actor, you know, um, you know he could be who he says he is and at the same time lying to us. I strongly doubt it, especially how emotional he got about his friends. When I listen to him talk, I get the vibe of truthfulness from him. Honestly, just from yeah. just 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 my my pers my perspective. It's not worth anything more than that. But you know. But still, it's in conflict with what I feel like I, I, I strongly believe to be true. But so I don't know. Well, I'll be honest with you. I mean, you know, prior to, you know, Brian Koberger being arrested, we got a lot of people that emailed us and sent us messages from like Reddit and 4chan and stuff that stated that one of the victims in the house that survived saw the killer in the house, didn't call 911 for four hours and just kind of hid. I thought that was complete and utter Yes, I was like, man, there's no way somebody saw this happen and not call 911. Right, that's right. And so so I, I had a hard time believing a lot of things in this case. Yeah. There are so much that I have a hard time believing. It goes almost against everything that I want to think of in a case like this. I mean, initially, first right. and foremost, and let's talk about the the way this crime was committed. You know, you're looking at close contact with a knife. That usually means personal. Yeah. That usually means somebody who has that's angry. Yeah. And, you know, has an emotional tie to these people. And apparently, you know, we can believe Dateline's most recent thing. He never contacted any of these victims. He was, it seems like this guy, well, tends to services was a, um, um, and he said he had worked at 930, but he had knew before he had to leave to work. Yes, that's yeah. correct. KK, mm -hmm. thank you for your 499 super chat. That's what gets me. You know, when it comes to this case, it's it's so mind boggling um, because everything goes against everything that you want to believe in this. But, you know, I, right. I, I do have a theory, though, when it comes to this case. And then this just my theory, y'all, is that maybe perhaps if Koberger. So according to the Dayline, um, a special Koberger purchased the knife ahead prior to moving to Pullman. Right. So then. In my opinion, that leads me to believe, and that's just my opinion and my belief, that if it was him, then he was planning to commit this crime well ahead of time. And it, maybe perhaps he didn't know who his victims were, but that he had an idea of committing a crime like this prior to even moving out there. I think you that's know, what happened. I, he was strategic about the area that he wanted to go to, make sure it was rural, small police department, things of that nature. And he went out there and he tried to find the perfect victim. You know, you're probably looking for people that are going to leave their doors open, have a lot of traffic come in and out of your house, potentially have things that may or may not happen illegally there. You know, the use mm -hmm. of narcotics, things like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, somebody, the people that are because of the traffic, they don't lock their doors. And so, you know, you also have somebody who was out of a recent relationship. You know, there's a lot of eyes to go in a lot of different directions with this case because mm -hmm. of the victims. When you do a victimology on the, on, 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 on these victims, you know, um, there's, there's people that you can point at. That could be the reason why he chose this house and why that house and these, these individuals were the target, so to speak. 
don't know, man. I, I feel like, let's say, if if he is the guy, uh, and he planned it, I, I I just I find it hard to believe he will plan for four people. I don't think he planned it for four people. Yeah, I think he was surprised. I think he maybe one or two. I, I don't think he anticipated. Floor? Huh? Third floor, then he could have got out. Maybe. And, you know, my thing is maybe perhaps he heard Kaylee say, I think somebody's here. And still, that, that wouldn't, you know what I mean? That wouldn't justify for him to go. If they didn't know, they didn't know, witness him per se. He had no reason, you know what I mean, to go out there and, and do what he did. No, he just left. He could have just left. It's like, oh, so I heard something. That's all they could have said. Well, the thing is, Kaylee had a new car. Like that would have been something that was out there that would have been like, yo, this is, you know what I mean? Angel D comes in with a five dollar super chat. Were they locked in their rooms? Can you lock the door and then pull pull it shut behind you? We'll talk about that in a second. Um, let me Thank get you. these other ones. Um, y'all had some fire shows this week. Kelly, love your content too. Your videos you. on NK was insightful. Hoping for some mm -hmm. alien talk soon. Take another shot or drink. <laughs> Thank you, Shattered. <laughs> oh, you know what? I opened. Let me try this one. I haven't even tried it yet. It's called the Beta Louisiana Sweet Tea Hard Ice Tea. Hopefully, it's mm. better than the last. Freaking mouthful. You need some branding help there. It's not right. very good, y'all. I mean, it's not bad. It's just really, really sweet. Thank you, Alexa. Alexis, for joining. Thank you, thank so I have a theory about a lot of things. <laughs> Angel brings up this comment, says, where the door's locked behind them. I'm going to pull up a, uh, an image real quick so that you can see this. I'll be right back. I'm going to go grab a bottle of water, okay? Okay, good deal. While she's grabbing that bottle of water, Jaime, yeah. What are you gonna do this weekend? Well, Sunday apparently I'm going fishing with uh, Blue. Without me, you bastards. Hey, you know what? You need to tell Blue. You need to tell Blue to bring me some chicken, dude, on his way back. Yeah, and he's going. He's, he's just gonna leave at noon, so that'll be. That's one of the time they open up and have everything ready. <laughs> are you gonna go on your boat? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I have. I gotta go charge batteries and whatnot, but I could probably do that. I need to get my boat's batteries charged too. It's just a pain, dude. Hang in the line. It's a pain just to be. Especially if you're alone, like to dock and not, you know, go off the ramp. Ugh, it's a pain. No, I know, man. I'm 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 afraid to do it myself. <laughs> uh, let's look at this while you know while Kelly's gone. So I know you guys in, in our chat have seen this image before and we've talked about it. I want to talk with um, Kelly about this. Um, my theory is to why it took so long to get into the house. Uh, welcome back. Yeah. So here, here, here's what, here's my thoughts and theory. And, and you tell me if, um, if it aligns close to what maybe the frat guys have thought or said. So my assumption is, is that night coworker made entry into the house. He uh, committed the crime up in the third floor, went down to the second floor because he heard, um, um, he heard Xana say, I think somebody's here. I think that while he was committing that crime at a certain point, Dylan opened the door and yelled something out. At that point, it startled him and he took off. He, he was aware 
of how far the Moscow Police Department was and that if somebody was going to be calling 911, that he'd had to get out of there quickly. My assumption is, is that he locked the doors behind him when he left each one of these rooms. And um, my thoughts are that in the morning, the victims couldn't see into the rooms, so they weren't really sure what had occurred. Mm -hmm. so, so they contacted their friends to come over in a panic. You know, if we look at the probable cause affidavit, it states that Xana's body was seen as you're walking down the hallway and that you could see it from the door. Uh, my assumption was that she was inside of that room behind that door. And what I'm thinking is, is if Koberger locked that door as he left, allegedly Koberger, walked that door as he left, maybe perhaps the surviving witness uh, victims couldn't get in there. Maybe they looked underneath. Somebody looked underneath the uh, the door frame there and saw somebody laying on the ground, called friends to try to get in. If you look at this picture here, there's a ladder that's propped up against the side of the house. And on this ledge, um, you can see a drag or a fade mark in the dirt here where it appears that somebody slid off and slid or slid on there recently. You can see what looks like footprints or arm prints up against the side of the wall here. Um, and you can see some clear markings or disturbance here. This fade right here is what tells me that somebody slid. If you look further over here where there's no disturbance, you can see where the water comes over, um, mm -hmm. you know, this, um, yeah. And it, it, it puddles water here and that puddled water pushes the dirt off to the edge and it creates a defined line of where that was at. You can see that coming right here and then it gets all disturbed. And then there's that that um, faded area. My assumption is, is that somebody climbed up there because they couldn't get into that room and try to look into that bedroom window to see yep. if they could see something. Yeah. And maybe that's when they called 911 when they could see the scene a little bit clear. You know what? That sounds very, that sounds, I haven't, I hadn't heard that theory from you before, Daniel. That sounds pretty freaking possible to me. Yeah. And Jaime, Jaime actually came up with the, so when we looked at this, uh, initially the claims was that, um, I think it was Steve Gonzalez had said that point of entry don't make sense. You know, mm -hmm. they're saying either the back sliding door or the second floor window. Now there's, there's a couple second door windows, second floor windows. There's two up front. I think there's two in the back and one of them goes to Dylan's room. And so when we thought about this, when we saw this here and we saw all this disturbance here, we thought initially maybe perhaps um, this is the entry point of where the person made entry. Maybe they made entry earlier on that night. Mm -hmm. You know, this is like well earlier into the investigation. And then we found out that that probably wasn't the case. Jaime was like, hey, do you think that somebody went up there to go look? And I'm like, dude, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. And, yeah. you know, I think that's why maybe perhaps they didn't call, you know, 911 immediately because they didn't see what the scene looked like. Sure. And, you because know. I think, I think on the body cam footage when there was uh, the noise disturbance, remember, I think the, the ladder was on the, on the side, right, on the floor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was where it's at, but it was laying down on the ground. Yeah, it was just laying down. So, and then like they usually the tape when they tape the tape off the scene, they tape uh, what's part of the crime scene, right? Right. They 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 taped off the entire area yeah. around there. Um, they, they went through it, right? When they went through the 
through the ladder? Yeah, it's through the ladder. It's tied yeah. to the ladder. Well, it's it's tied to the ladder on this side, and it mm -hmm. comes, and then it's tied to the ladder on this side, and it yeah. goes that way. So it's not like one congruent or concurrent uh, string of tape. It's tied off there. I don't see them. You know, a lot of people say, well, maybe the police pick that up and they use that as a tool. I mean, maybe, but to put it up against that ledge and then I can't find it anymore, but I had it. There was a picture of police officers with a drone going over and on top of this ledge looking at it. Okay, uh, That just kind of leads me to believe that it wasn't police that put it there. Uh, I would mm -hmm. strongly recommend, I would hope they didn't, but at the same time, it looks like yeah. there's some stools back there uh, in the back window or the glass <laughs> door that people seem to believe that police did, which not that I have a hard time believing that the police did it. I just feel that that would be the most wrong thing to do. Right. Um, because if, if Koberger left or entered the, the building in this manner, watch, I'll show you this. Well, one, this is one of the police officers there. No booties in their bare boots. And those are the stools behind them. And these stools here were used as a as a deal here to um, block this sliding glass door from opening and closing. If what? police did that, right? Let's just say Koberger ran out this this door, and those are where those stools are. Look at how close those stools are to that officer. If Koberger committed a quadruple homicide, you would assume that he'd be sweating. And if he ran out those doors, you would assume that maybe perhaps some sweat would get on those stools. Literally you would bag, bag, you would bag and tag those stools. You yeah, wouldn't use them. What's that, Jaime? Little known um, blood as well. Blood too. Blood could be stripping, you know, on there. You you end up compromising those stools by utilizing them as a, an, a, a way to secure the scene. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make sense to me. But you know, if they were willing to do that, then maybe perhaps they were willing to utilize the. The ladder that was there. I'm gonna to try to find a picture of these um, of these stools because I know that they're there. Yeah, I, I have them somewhere. If not, I can just pop up the. Uh, you know, I know where I can find it on the um, uh, the drone footage from that day, or the day before, the day after. I think it was the next day. In a second, let me pull that up. What, what do you think? Do you Have you seen those stools at the back of the house before, Kelly? Yeah, no, I have. Yeah, I, I think I'm just listening to what you're saying here. Yeah, I think that's you're going along a good track. Uh, do you think that um, why do you think it was? Do you think police had done that? I mean, that would be super sloppy. I, I guess it's possible, right? You kind of hope they didn't because that would be really sloppy work, right? Not right. preserving the crime scene, the exact opposite. It's, it's possible, but I mean, we don't see any pictures where it looks any different than that, right? Well, in those pictures with the officer there, it wasn't there. Now, okay. here, here's the thing. So here's the drone footage. You can see the stools here in the... Okay. Yeah, they're there. They're 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 being yeah. utilized to secure the door. Okay. If officers didn't do that, when do you think that those stools were put there? It had to have been after Coburger committed the crime, no? After Dylan yeah. saw. I certainly think that he walked out that door 
I mean, do you think Dylan could have run out there to secure the door with them? That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking that saw that she saw that he took off out of that door. Since I heard that that door's locking mechanism is not working, she put a stool there so he won't he won't come back in or whoever it was come back in. Just yeah, I mean, I'm not doubting what you're saying. Are we sure it's there to secure the door? It really does look like it, doesn't it? It's oh, yeah. yeah. yeah that's, there's two yeah. schools there. Yeah. It's, you it's, you're right. You're right. Yes. 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 Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. They're real. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah. To me, like, initially when I saw this, that made me believe that police wouldn't do this. I was like, man, police wouldn't do that. You're compromising yeah. your scene. So right. that tells me either it was secured by the victims in the house after Koberger left mm -hmm. or it was always secured that way. Or Koberger or the alleged killer did this after he entered and exited some other way. Yeah. Like, Which then would kind of almost nullify Dylan's statement, wouldn't it? Yeah, that he went that direction. So the only thing that makes sense is that. Um, either police did it or Dylan or Bethany did it after the crime was committed. Yeah, I agree. Those are the only two I things mean? that make sense. Yeah, I agree. Did you, so did your fraternity um, students ever hear the, the rumor that there was a door open at this house at 930 in the morning? No, and I've asked them about that several times. They simply just, they haven't heard it. They said, it doesn't mean it's not true. But again, you know, some of the things that they were really like, kind of like fired up about, they've asked other people. I don't know if they've asked other people about it. I'll actually, they're texting right now. I'll see if they, I can get an answer from them. Okay. Because um, that was something that supposedly came from a neighbor as well. Okay. And, and the other question I would like you to ask him is, is there a, a name that is utilized for or used when it comes to the apartments that are nearby? Is there like a, like, like for instance, um, mm -hmm. like, oh, that's the gym apartments or the Dave apartments or okay. yellow right. apartments or, or those are this, sense. you know what I'm saying? I'm kind of yeah. curious about that. Okay. <clears throat> so um and we'll probably just stick around for the next 10 15 minutes tops yeah um but yeah to me this this right here kind of confused there was a lot of things that confused me um but the, yeah those were some of the things that i was interested in and, and there's some other stuff that i want to talk to you probably a little more off air um that way we can kind of get on the same page. I want to see if we're on the same page on a couple of things. Uh, so I think there was something else that was in this image that I had wanted to point out. Oh, man. You all right there, man? Um, I think so. I think so. I feel weird, but think I can pull through. Oh, I can't hear you. Yeah, no, oh, I guess. Where'd he go? All right. <laughs> I think his um, audio went out. 
Oh yeah. Okay. Something. I just turned yeah. my screen off because I was chewing. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, he usually gets out and goes back in. And it, okay, that happens to me sometimes too. Yep. There he is. Yeah, my bad, y'all. There you go. I got an answer. They just said we didn't hear anything about the front door being open. They didn't answer the other question yet, but I put it out there to them. So I don't really know what that means. They just I've, I've talked to them about that a couple of times. They just had said they hadn't heard anything about it. But I don't think it's something they really got stuck on where they're like asking a lot of people about it. But if you guys could ask some people, I don't know. Yeah, I asked yeah, Dave, too. Yeah. He wasn't aware of it either. No, you know, before. Uh, and so well, that, that's quite possible. Dave, according to Dave, he wasn't around that morning in Moscow. He um, he's he spent the night elsewhere that night. Yeah. And, and so, um, you know, there's a lot like he, his fraternity um, or house or whatever you want to call it uh, isn't too far away from this, this incident. And so I had asked him if he had seen, you know, the, you know, what was going on early that morning and he wasn't in the area to, to tell us, so to speak. So that was, you know, when, when it comes to Dave, I, I feel like, I feel like I, we learn more about how fraternities and sororities work than anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, obviously, he wasn't there when this crime happened. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. all from what I got from it. It's like, oh, now we know exactly how a fraternity or a sorority, uh, you know, they work, the rules they have. You right. know? So, like, that's what I got from him. Makes sense, man. Makes sense. And then I, I did too. You know, um, it, it does seem like a close-knit community, and they kind of keep to themselves, so to speak. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. you know they, they party with others, but for the most part, I think it seems like the fraternities stick with the fraternities. Yeah, and, I agree and with that. Whatnot. And so, you know, one thing that I do know is like, for instance, Dave is not a part of their fraternity, and so I do know that there. He, according to him, he doesn't really know very many uh, Sigma Chi's or right. any at all, and so um, um, you know, because we've had that conversation, and I asked him about it. I was like, he's like, he was pretty surprised that none of the Sigma Chi's were aware. Yeah says as uh, are they <laughs> yeah he he made it seem he's like man we've been he's like i've been talking with some people and they were all pretty surprised yeah exactly they hadn't heard something but like i said you know dave and and this is just my my thoughts i'm not saying this is true or not he hadn't talked about this situation for a long time is, is there possible that maybe he was off by an hour or two you know sure. maybe they were aware earlier you know, rumors started spreading around, but maybe it wasn't as early as he thought it was. That's possible. But I do I do believe him. I do believe that he believes what he is saying. Yeah. Um, he doesn't seem like he's being deceitful about anything. I don't uh, pick up deceit from him. Just like I, I've listened, I think I've listened to all the times that he's spoken. I, I really don't pick up deceit from him. I actually got in a little argument with these guys about it. They thought that they knew who he was at first. And then they asked the person they thought was the person they thought Dave was and the person was like, no, I don't even know what you're talking about. And they really believed him. So they just don't know who he is. Yeah. And, 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 and I asked Dave if anybody's asked him anything and he said, obviously, no, no. nobody's talked to him. He's like, I, yeah. he said, he told me at that point, he's like, I really don't know any of the Sigma guys. He's yeah. like, um, there might be one person that he knows, 
but for the most part, he doesn't know any of them there. Uh, they seem pretty self-contained. I mean, they say that they are, you know. Yeah, Dave mentioned that. He said, unless you're like at three to one on the uh, guy to girl um, ratio when you go to their house parties, they won't let you in or something like that. Yeah, that sounds accurate. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so, they know, like the ladies. <laughs> Can't blame yeah. them. <laughs> no, no. And, you know, they're all young and, and, you know, everybody's just young there and it's a college yep. town and it's a close knit you know, community. Yep. Um, it's a sad situation all the way across. I mean, this is this impacts more than just the victims, you know, uh, or the, the the families of those that, whose lives Absolutely. were taken. They had friends and and the whole community that they were a part of. And uh, Absolutely. you know, at the end of the day, this is you know still the true. You know, what we're doing is just still bringing awareness to this, and and you know, this is a uh, topic of discussion for many people, and sure we're just trying to keep this as um, grounded as possible. Um, we have a couple of more things and then we'll have our, our, our goodbyes. Kim says, Kim Britt says 499. If blood was running down the outside of the wall, wouldn't it have been running down the wall in the bedroom beneath it? Maybe. I don't think there's a bedroom beneath that wall. You know what? No. There is. I'm looking at the, um, let me pull it back up. quick. I mean, find where it's. So yeah, there it, it, it is, but this is like, a, it's coming out of an exterior wall going into the ground. Mm-hmm. I mean, there could be, I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know how the house was set up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mikey, yes, I think that that bathroom top floor and left window is a huge question when seeing all that activity mm-hmm. from forensics up there. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. true, that is true. There was a lot of activity that was up there. Um, do you have any questions for us, Kelly, before we let you go? You know, I really don't. I think you've done a good job explaining a lot of stuff today. And I really do. I really do appreciate what you guys are doing. Although, you know, um, there's some, you know, the guys I've been in touch with are, are in total agreement. Some people have been on your show. I was even telling someone I was talking to earlier about this. that We were both in connection with it. I really do believe that you guys just want to get the truth out there and get the facts out there. So thank you very much. I really appreciate that about you guys. Thank you. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah. Um, can you can you tell everybody where they can find you? Yeah. So my channel is Watts the Obsession, W-A-T-T-S, the Obsession. And we cover a lot of cases other than the Watts case. And, you know, we're doing a lot on this case right now. And, yeah, thank you guys for being so kind in chat. Um, I've been reading the chat. And you guys, oh, thank you, have been um, really great. And, you know, thanks for watching tonight. Yes, thank you, guys. Thank you all in there. And this is the... Uh, the channel it's in the description it's under watts the obsession um go check her out give her a subscribe a follow let her know that the drunk turkey show sent you that's right uh, thanks guys. <laughs> Jaime, do you have any final words before we let everybody go uh, like like i said before i want you to want to thank all the the members uh all the mods kelly for being our guest today um and you danny for having me on like always <laughs> for putting okay. up with me <laughs> well i appreciate you guys being here and i appreciate everybody being a part of the show and everybody in the that's live right. chat you know we had upwards to like 1400 people yeah. in great. the live chat that's amazing that's great we appreciate you guys um we thank every one of you guys blue is out there doing a cake scan and his <laughs> cap and gown already cap and gown flipped all upside down <laughs> hopefully not i don't think he's wearing anything underneath there 
Uh, <laughs> you can't tell if he's coming or going. <laughs> <laughs> he's a good boy, though. He's our boy, and we love Blue. Happy That's birthday, great. buddy. I hope you have a safe night. Happy we'll birthday, talk to you tomorrow, Blue. man. Yeah. Everybody else, y'all have a great night, and we'll see you next time. We'll be back probably Monday, yeah. Monday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, oh, Central. We will. Unless something crazy happens. Who knows?